Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, you're back in the DFSR here with an NFL podcast. It's Friday, September 21st. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. We're from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com. For short, you can go over to dfsr.com slash NFL. That's going to get you a free three-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at lineuplab.com. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, MLB, while it's still going on. Uh, We have college information going up, some premium stuff for the college football, a lot of premium content for NFL, uh, NHL, right down the pike, NBA. It's all covered under one subscription package. So just go check that out, dfsr.com slash NFL, and you will get yourself started. We're here for a full, hopefully we reach Megapod status again, full Megapod, uh, where we break down every game on the Sunday main slate, uh, kind of going through the injury notes, going through some fantasy considerations. We did put in uh, our cash game podcast yesterday, so if we gloss over some guys there, we talked in detail about Garoppolo, Wentz, Watson, at quarterback. We talked Gurley, Clement, and Gio Bernard at running back, and then Thomas, Allen Robinson, Nelson Aguilar, Ertz, and Kittle at wide receiver and tight end. So if we kind of gloss over those guys, it's because we talked about them in depth yesterday. Buddy, you excited for week three? I feel like we talked about it yesterday. I feel like week three sort of when things get a little tougher in the pricing landscape. Um, do you see this as a week that has significant ways to like kind of have an edge? Does, does the pricing getting tough here? What are your you have any overall thoughts uh, on week three? Before we, I want to talk a little bit about the Browns game yesterday too, but um, any opening thoughts before we get started? I literally could not be more excited. Hopefully you can hear it in my voice. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Um, <laughs> that, was that it? Okay. Um, you, can tell, <laughs> no, you can tell we didn't script that one out. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> I'm mostly I was just trying to make you feel uncomfortable. So. Yeah, well, you worked. It <laughs> worked for everybody, I'm sure. Uh, Browns last night win their first game in two years, um, sort of in spite of themselves. They only because... I say in spite of themselves, in spite of just their ridiculously terrible coach who can't figure out that <laughs> the guy on the bench, the number one draft pick on the bench, is like many standard deviations better than the guy that they have they had uh, <laughs> under center. It takes that guy. Sample size, dude. How can you figure that out from one game? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it might be sample size. I don't think so. But like, I mean, he's not going to be as good. He's not going to be 17 for 21, like that kind of efficiency. He's not going to be as good as Tyrod Taylor right away. But like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a fireable offense to me. Like that you just have this guy sitting there. You have other. And the thing about the Browns, as opposed to maybe, let's say, the Cardinals, and maybe the Cardinals are a good example too, because the Browns actually have guys, right? They have. Landry, they have Carlos Hyde, they have a you know what we've seen to be a pretty good defense uh, so far this season. The, the defense has played pretty well against the Steelers and the Saints, and they just had this one terrible dude kind of commanding their the head coach. And yeah, I mean, the you think vast it's fireball? Majority then, of the time on the ball for their offense, yeah. right? I, it's just like it's so crazy. And and then I you know I think about uh, Rosen in, in Arizona and how soon it is till he just comes in because they have David Johnson and they have you know what's left of Larry Fitzgerald and they have some other guys. Uh, that maybe you could get something going with. Uh, do you think that the Baker Mayfield thing shifts maybe some of these other teams, I mean, most of the Cardinals' way of thinking, or do you think that teams sometimes just maybe can't get out of their own way or have a different plan? Yeah, it's tricky with quarterback, though, because I think a lot of times 
the prevailing wisdom for a while after people basically saw Aaron Rodgers treatment was that you just want to take your time with these young guys. And then they saw other guys like Derek Carr, you know, come in and just get absolutely abused. And if you don't have the personnel around your young quarterback, you kind of want to treat him with kid gloves. But, you know, their treatment of Mayfield here just kind of, to me, smacks of, well, we're just not going to think about this very critically at all. Right. We're just going to kind of do what everyone else does because I don't want to get in trouble. And that's not a great recipe for uh, having an effective football team. And it's also like, like, are the Browns in, like, win-now mode? <laughs> I guess they are with these veterans that they've acquired. Yeah. Uh, Quote-unquote win-now mode. Um, because then you, I guess you can make a case for going a little slower with your young guy. But nah, it actually just turns out that going win-now mode equals not playing someone who's one of the very, very, very worst quarterbacks in all the NFL. <laughs> so, well, I mean, they have a... It's crazy. They I think have, it's addition by subtraction as well. They have a positive point differential. It's plus one. But, I mean, for a 1-1-1 one, one, and one team, they um, they that the two other games, they probably could have won. I, like, you you wonder if, they, if Mayfield is on the I field. I mean, they have five possessions in overtime against the Steelers or whatever. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, you're wondering, like, could have Mayfield... Could field goal out of it. You know, a 30% better quarterback, and maybe they just are 3-0 at this point. I don't know. So, I don't know. That's still... Feel, I'm still I'm on the fire Hugh Jackson uh, train. Okay, let's get into to some of the uh, we'll go game by game into what's going on this week some injury stuff that we're going to want to pay attention to we record this friday morning typically injury stuff really irons itself out friday afternoon because that's when everyone gets through practice and we finally see who was able to take the field and practice on friday which usually I think is most, the most important practice for everyone to, to kind of get through. If you can get through Friday practice, it's usually a signal that you are going to play. If not, yeah. there are still question marks going into Saturday. Um, but usually, like I said, Friday we get a clearer picture, and then Saturday we get a, basically a crystal clear picture. By Sunday we know pretty much everyone who's, who's planning on playing and not because the teams just need to have their personnel set up. So uh, we'll talk through you know, where guys fall on the injury uh, kind of spectrum at this point, and sometimes a little hard to tell exactly where teams are going. The first one, there's no line in this game right now. The Titans and the Jaguars, uh, there's no line. My guess is because the status of Mariota is totally in question. He did not. He, he. It's funny. NFL usually doesn't do this. NFL is not like NBA where you're. It's 6:59 Eastern Standard Time, and you're wondering who's going to play and who's not because the team hasn't released. NFL doesn't usually do the old. It's Sunday morning. It's an hour before the game. I don't know who's starting at quarterback, but the Titans did that last week with the Gabbard. good teams. Don't do that. Like it's, it's my the one correction I would offer there. Um, yeah, the I mean, are, yeah. feel free oftentimes. <laughs> <laughs> so the Titans did that with Mariota. Gabbard ended up starting. There's no line in the game. The other piece here is that Fournette has not practiced this week. T.J. Yeldon has also not practiced this week. So there's going to be some kind of running back thing that's going to happen here between those two guys. Any thoughts on this game? I mean, I'm personally ready to write off the Titans from a fantasy standpoint. Although I guess maybe if Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry also did not practice. If he were to sit Deion Lewis is interesting. Anything, you know, what are your thoughts here on the Jaguars? We saw that, let's say Fournette sits again. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see enough out of TJ Heldon last week to warrant another play here? Or did the Jaguars just kind of, did they do RBBC a little too much to, to think that he's kind of a safe play? Yeah, in my running back article that I put up for DFSR premium users for this week, I talked about the Yeldon situation a little bit. Um, mostly in that, a lot of times when teams lose a feature back, they just, you know, anoint someone else to make be the feature back. That just didn't happen for Yeldon in what amounted to the best possible situation, you would think, right? Like, you kind of accidentally get up against one of the most explosive teams in all of football. Like, you're going to try your best to run down the clock. So the fact that he only got 10 carries and, more importantly, possibly two receptions leaves me pretty bullish on him, or bearish on him, rather, for cash game play. For big tournaments, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, Jacksonville... 
isn't likely to fall down, but I think if they do, that he will be featured more out of the passing game. Um, but, you know, it's another thing that I've talked about with Tennessee, even with our early sample sizes this year. Last year, Tennessee, just one of the better teams against the run, a top five team, and a terrible team against the pass. This year, bottom 10 against both, but I still have probably just want to rely on last year's numbers and assume that they'll probably be worse against the pass. So, yeah, I, I don't. I don't see a whole lot to love from this side or this game. And Yeldon, just not a cash game to play to me. Kudos to the Jags. They did the exact opposite of what they did in the AFC Championship last year, where they kind of got the lead and tried to sit on it, and it didn't work. This game, they were up 21-3 at halftime. Bortles still threw 45 times. So uh, they just didn't. They just didn't do the ground and pound kind of thing that was the exact. Well, they can't re- ground and pound with TJ Yeldon. Right? Well, so and, and, and but I think I think a, a different iteration of Jacksonville would have tried right. Play scared, we're winning. You know, this mm-hmm. let our defense do the work. Three, you know, three and out punt kind of thing. Let the defense try to stop Brady. They didn't do it. Bortles threw a ton. He was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, really good. Uh, Three hundred seventy six yards. He threw four touchdowns. Um, Yeldon. I, my main concern here is that he just didn't get the snaps. Forty one snaps. Corey Grant got thirty. Uh, we were, we had been on Keelan Cole a little bit uh, going into week one. I was actually sort of bullish on him going into week two. Uh, and then he did capitalize on it. Eight for 116 and a touchdown. Moncrief also saw nine targets. Do you think with Fournette out, I, did, I thought I saw a stat that before, uh, Bortles has actually been better when Fournette's been out. I wonder if they just had to throw more. Do you? Can you talk yourself into any of these receivers here? Nine and eight targets in a game where they were winning, where the game script really shouldn't have gotten this many targets. Um, can you be bullish on any of the receiving core? Yeah, no, I like Keelan Cole. I mean, I think we were all sort of just waiting for some team, some player to inhabit all of the vacated targets, you know, between losing Hearns and Robinson. Uh, we assumed it would be Cole and Westbrook, and it looks like Cole is kind of the leader in the clubhouse at the moment. Uh, I do think, you know, you mentioned Bortles being better without Fournette. I do wonder if that's also just part of this overall trend that we're going to see where, because Fournette was one of the true workhorses when he was out there, and then when they lost him, they realized they didn't really have anyone with the credentials to kind of just step right in and have 30 touches a game. But I wonder if the Jags are just done with that plan anyway, because it got there, good running back hurt, and it like didn't really work either. <laughs> so right. I, I would suspect that what we saw, like again, in a game that should have been the perfect game script for them to ground and pound, the fact that they didn't uh, definitely leaves me feeling better about their whole passing attack right now. Yeah, I mean, and last thing here, like the reason that thing, my guess is, I'm, I'm like quoting a, a stat I saw on Twitter too, so I'm, I'm fine to be wrong about this, uh, because I'm pretty sure that I saw someone do the splits. Uh, the, one of the reasons you can be better is because if, if you have Fournette and a team just knows you're going to run on first and second down, and that's your plan, then you can just easily game script against that. Like, you can easily plan against that. It's like, well, that's easy. It's just first down of run, course. second down run, third down long you know, long pass on third down, and those are easy to defend. So, anyway, sorry, my phone's bugs in here. Um, so, I think that you can... Um, I think I, I'm more bullish on the Jags passing attack than I was before. I'm still kind of waiting to see uh, any line that comes out from this game. All right, next game that's going to have a lot of fantasy implications. Saints go in and play the Falcons. Huge over-under on this one, 53 and a right. half. Um, pretty thin spread at minus three for the Falcons. Saints, we've talked a lot about Kamara going into the first two weeks, and um, we... I, you know, we were really high on him week one. I was less high on him in week two for reasons that did actually end up kind of playing themselves out and that he just didn't isn't carry the ball. Didn't seem like he was going to carry the ball enough here. But in a game where it looks like they could be possibly playing from behind or at least the game is close and you know teams are going to be incentivized to score, do you think you can go back to Kamara here? Uh, our system doesn't want to mostly because I've had to downgrade the rushing attempts so much for the price. What do you think about him? Do you, can you see different sides of these game stacks? Uh, you know, you talk you know talk freely about either of these teams, and also one other injury note: Julio Jones has not practiced this week. 
We've been through this with him before, though, so I'm not exactly sure what it means for his availability. And Devontae Freeman sure looks like he's going to play again. So talk, I guess, freely about what you see as possibly upside in this game or if there's any maybe possible traps in terms of uh, some of the personnel that we see. And again, that is a huge total. Yeah, so I think for starters, the upside in this game is obvious and straightforward. Like, no one's going to be sleeping on guys like Julio Jones or Alvin Kamara. Um, I guess for cash game purposes, you know, we broke this down yesterday, but you're not going to be able to play all of the big names from this game. And chances are good you can probably only pick one if you assume that for cash game purposes that you're probably going to want to be on Todd Gurley in that top, top tier price category. So between Breeze, Jones, Kamara, and Thomas, if I'm basically probably only going to be able to play one of those guys, maybe I can squeak out two. I think I'm going to have to lean with Michael Thomas. I mean, one thing that we've seen so far is that whatever you know the Saints were up to when Ingram was in there and they were running the ball a ton in the red zone hasn't been the case as much this year Thomas already three touchdowns 28 receptions on 30 targets and 9,000 is just a very very fair price on that so I think Thomas is a leader for me I can understand why people might want to look elsewhere but you know I think Kamara could have a huge game I think Jones could have a huge game I always get a little bit gun shy with Jones when he's questionable with these leg injuries like how many times like have we seen yeah. Julio Jones in particular be questionable with a leg and then like kind of just be a decoy or disappear completely even when the team plays him and gives him the ringing endorsement like that's enough to take him off the list for me but um yeah Breeze, Breeze Kamara Thomas always going to be a viable big tournament stack as long as we go Ryan and Jones always going to be a viable uh, big tournament stack it's just that for cash, I'm probably only going to be able to play Thomas. I mean, Kamara did touch the ball 19 times last week, 13 rushing attempts. It was pretty ineffective on Are the Are you ground. excited about 19 touches on $8,700 price tag, though? Like- no, 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 I'm not excited. I'm excited about his—not from a cash perspective. I'd be excited about his upside because I think that people are going to look at some of the that last week and just think that he's just not worth the money. And for a cash game perspective, I would totally agree with that. I do not think he's worth—I um, don't think he's worth paying up in the Todd Gurley range. He's 500 less on DraftKings. Um, and I still think— you know, a 10-target game out of, the, out of him this week for sure could happen. You know, if we saw 10, if we saw like 24 touches in this game, uh, especially if it's fast-paced and Carolina's able to, excuse me, Carolina, uh, Atlanta's able to score early, I do think there is pretty nice upside on his price, and I think he'll be lower owned than, say, Gurley. And I think from that perspective, I do, I really like him as a GBP play, and I would never touch him in cash at this point because I just don't think you can mm. trust the, I just don't think... You can trust the price. Uh, we saw Tevin Coleman get uh, a majority of the carries last week in with Freeman out. He was fine. Uh, he gained over 100 yards, did not get into the end zone. Uh, 16 carries for 107. Did see four targets, which I was that was actually the one thing I was a little concerned with, where he would get fit into the passing game. Ido Smith, outsnapped Ido Smith, 41 to 18. Is he a guy? He's his price has come up a little bit, not a ton from last week. Is he a guy you can talk yourself into? I think seventy three hundred. I guess he's come up a decent amount. Can you talk yourself into him, knowing that it looks like he's going to be the feature back uh, in a game that has good conditions for a lot of scoring? Yeah, so it's funny with Tevin Coleman, and you know another big aspect of that running back article. I'm just going to keep referring to it because it was just You're that comprehensive. Doug. Yeah. That, was, that was that comprehensive, mostly because the the big distinction I drew was. It used to be in the old days when Jerome Bettis gets hurt, Willie Parker just comes in and he just gets all the carries Bettis was going to get, right? Like, you could count on it. It didn't matter that Willie Parker was, like, kind of small and possibly going to get killed if he carried the ball 28 times. They were just like, what else are we going to do, dude? You have a running back, then you have a backup running back. That's just how it works. These days, it just doesn't necessarily work that way. And it especially seems to not work that way completely when it comes to guys 
that are already in a running back by committee, and then they lose their committee mate. Uh, it, it seems to yes. be that teams just want to have the plan of using two running backs, and if only half of those guys get hurt, they're just going to find someone else to at least fill in some gaps. So did we see an increase in opportunity for Coleman? Yes. Uh, you know, you'd love to see 20 touches out of him. It was still a very reasonable price tag. He really only gets there, though, because of his absurd yards per carry. And I don't think that you're going to be able to count on him just having 6.7 yards per attempt in this game either. So, you know, Coleman, can he? Can you squint your eyes and sort of see it for cash games? I think so, but I wouldn't feel confident about it. New Orleans, I mean, so it's only two games, but they rank 31st against the pass this season. And, uh, they, yeah, yeah. And they played Tampa Bay. Like We can mention them later about, you know, what the sort of outliers they're kind of putting up and Cleveland. So I'm not going to call them like prolific passing attacks, and they rank just so bad. I mean, a lot of that does come from the Tampa Bay game. but um, Tampa Bay, I, hold your tongue. High-scoring team in the NFC. Dude, they're nuts. Uh, I did. I mean, I know they are, and I just don't think it's any in any way sustainable. The uh, but uh, so I do think I, I like actually don't mind Matt Ryan um from this point of view of draft. He's pretty coming pretty cheap on DraftKings. I I can possibly see him as someone that people can talk themselves into, maybe even in cash. He's only fifty seven hundred over there. Well, uh, I'll tell you, you what, dude. That, the thing with the problem with Matt Ryan in the past was even in seemingly positive game scripts, he would get like 31, 28 passing attempts. If right. they're not going to run Coleman a ton. And they're not going to run Edo Smith a ton. It stands to reason that Ryan would be one of the main beneficiaries of them. Yeah, so I think with a few more passing attempts, we could see we, he could the guy that can creep toward cash games. There are some other sort of cheaper guys in the same range. The guys that I mentioned before, like Watson, Wentz, Newton, Cam Newton's in this range. Um, that all, I mean, even Blake Bortles to some degree have. They're all sitting around this like low six, high fives on DraftKings. So it's not like. He stands out as a crazy bargain when you look at some of the other guys. Uh, and then, I just like you said, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with Julio here. Calvin Ridley was able to catch a touchdown and some balls last week. I don't know if he'd be a guy that would step up. Uh, but the Julio Jones, I agree with you that we've seen enough decoys out of Jones to be a little distrustful that even if he were to play, what it would actually mean for the rest of the team. And we'll hopefully get some news uh, as as those kind of that's well, kind of we we should also probably down. nod to guys for Victorian purposes as well, like Mohamed Sanu, because we have seen him get a really dramatic increase in target share when Julio Jones has been absent. So again, you don't want to count on him for cash just because the targets haven't been there whatsoever for Sanu so far. Yep. Uh, but you know, if you're just like if you're trying to figure out who the potential backups could be that could step up and do something, I, I think Sanu is right there. Yeah, um, you're right about the the snaps. The snaps actually decreased last week uh, as Calvin Ridley just got more. Yeah, he saw Ridley five um, targets. You hate to see yeah, it so, if you're if you're trying to speculate on backup wide receivers. Yeah, and that's the only that's my that's kind of the only issue. So anyway, there's a lot of fantasy implications in this game. I think we can agree, uh, and I definitely like I said, if I were to rank some tournament players, I would have Kamara pretty high up on my GBP running back list because I just think he will go underowned based on what he did last week and just the lack of carries. A uh, game with one of the highest lines you're going to really ever see in the NFL. Vikings are going to host the Bills. They started at minus 17. They're down to minus 16 and a half. <laughs> We're sitting right now. Bills with, a, with an, a, Bills with an unbelievably low 12 implied total, which for the <laughs> NFL, I, you just don't, you really never see it this, this low. There's been a handful of times over the last couple of years where you get numbers this close to single digits. Uh, 12 is just is pretty embarrassing. They're going to go in and face Minnesota. The injury news here is that Dalvin Cook has not practiced this week at all, and I don't know where that leaves us. So here's a couple of things. I guess that him not – because he was a guy – if you look at this line, you kind of want running backs in this situation. And I worry that the line was so high that we're talking just straight-up blowout territory and then they would save him. When you see a line this high, what does it make you think in terms of 
just guys you can play. I'm a little worried about blowout, and they also have like one of the highest implied totals of the day. And I, I don't know. When you see something this high, I just get a little confused about sort of which way to take it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons to be concerned about Cook. I mean, first of all, the just being questionable and being a young guy who's already had some injury issues, you really have to think that if the game does get out of hand, that he's going to be one of the first guys to take a seat, especially because they have a perfectly serviceable running back two in Latavius Murray. Uh, you already saw a decrease in attempts for him last week, going down from 16 carries to 10, seven targets down to five. And that's all going to be troubling for you. You know, um, I think really the only thing keeping Cook in cash game consideration is the matchup and that and the price, I guess. And, you know, both of those are, are solid reasons to consider Cook. But I don't know, man, it seems like you're inviting a decent amount of variance taking a young, a young guy who already has had some injury issues. Yeah, uh, home favorites with this kind of spread. I mean, again, we don't we rarely see this, but as you get through this side of the graph in terms of home favorites with big, uh, as you know, just kind of big minus ten and above, you just see a spike on the graph of just what their their overall running backs can do. Uh, I did not make the distinguish. I did not distinguish in that study that I did uh, between who was the starter and the backup, though. So I mean, that's that probably would end mm-hmm. up being important, but that's so team dependent that it's it'd be really tough to filter that out. Um, so when you, if I was pretty bearish on Cook's overall opportunity right now, just because I'm a little worried about the injury, but 6,500 on FanDuel for a guy, the guy touched the ball 23 times last week. Like usually if we saw a guy, the, if he touched the ball 23 times last week in a game with this high of a total and that they're favorites, I feel like that would be just lock and load territory. And the only thing that's keeping me back is the injury. Is that fair to say? I, like, because well, that's... Cook didn't touch the ball 23 times last week. He touched the ball 23 times week one. He touched the ball Oh, sorry, times sorry. I did the week. wrong query. Yeah, I did the... I, I, I mean, maybe that game might be more indicative to what was happening, though, because that game, they were winning. Um, they were winning against San Francisco, whereas last week it was kind of... Uh, they were. I don't know if they were coming from behind in it, but I know it was a closer game against Green Bay. I mean, uh, so you're you're worried that just the fact that you saw the yeah down to 15 touches. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I'm I'm gonna just retract what I said because I was looking at the week one. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Well, one. yeah, and I think you know you mentioned the game script. I think one of the other things that I've called out a couple times is how running backs are getting more and more game script dependent, but kind of in like odd ways too. Like a lot of times. Um, like you, yeah, I mean, Minnesota was down by a ton. They were down 13 in the fourth quarter and they had that kind of heroic comeback, but we've seen other teams give their ball to their running backs even more in the passing game. And so the fact that he lost targets too, was just like, I don't know, irritating to me or something. Uh, and cause you expect the carries to come down. And I think the week one carries went healthier, probably about what you can expect about 16, but to have the car targets come down too, and to be questionable with a hamstring, I think there's enough question marks there that it's hard to be too excited here. Uh, what about the passing game? Is this spread too high? I mean, is this a game where you th- we have Diggs and Thielen? They're really, really good. They both saw 13 targets last week. I know yeah. they were coming from behind. Thielen has a great matchup if they're going to line them up in the slot against the Buffalo secondary yeah. uh, where they're just getting completely burned. Uh, Diggs, I think they're going to move him away um, from the right side as much as possible just because they'll avoid they'll stick Treadwell uh, in the less advantageous matchup. Uh, what do you think about the passing game? Does it, does it worry you when you see... Does it worry when you see this kind of just spread that the passing game is just going to be a completely forgotten thing? Or do you think there's maybe some separation to be had because, um, yeah, sorry, he's going to, they're going to move him away from uh, Tredavious White. Um, do you think there's some separation to have because people will look at this line and just not want to play the passing attack at all? Yeah, well, it's a combination of concerns for me there. I think the spread definitely is going to introduce some of the, again, some of those scenarios. Like one of the things you see countless times in these high spread games is just some random guy you don't expect gets a touchdown. And then you're like, huh. And then like Latavius Murray punches one in. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, the team's up 14 nothing, 
and you know Diggs is like only out there for two snaps per down or whatever and you're like right. why do I have Stefan Diggs there's no chance he's ever going to touch the ball again and it doesn't always work out that way like you certainly the reason they crushed them could be because Diggs and Thielen are so good uh, but then the other reason the other reason for concern for me is also just the price I mean both of these guys you're paying not quite top top dollar but you know Diggs and Thielen on FanDuel are 83 and 8200 like that's you yep. need basically lockdown production for those prices, and I'm just not sure you can count on it just yet, even though it's been there so far, um, and or at least for Thielen, uh, for Diggs, you know, it's it's the targets have been a lot more erratic. I mean, just six targets in Week One against San Francisco in a very similar game script. So I don't think this is where you want to be. Is a long story short, um, yeah, this this actually we talk about big tournament upside. I think you can get really good separation and incredible upside picking Cousins plus one of these guys. Uh, but I don't think you want to be in the business of, you know, just counting on these guys for your cash, especially not Diggs. 100%. And like we said, we're just going to kind of wait on the Cook injury news to see where we go from there. Denver goes in and plays Baltimore. Baltimore is minus five and a half home favorites. So you're uh, they have 25 implied total and Denver's coming in right around 20, uh, 19 and a half. Uh, I'm, okay, so, so we'll start with Denver. The... We were very bullish on the guys like Sanders and even Thomas after the target share that they saw in week one. Mm-hmm. It didn't completely materialize in week two. Thomas did see 11 targets. He converted them to, for a whopping five for 18 yards, um, which I is I, – I, Thomas is always going to be more erratic from a conversion standpoint than Sanders. And then we saw a huge dip in Sanders that only gets four targets. Now, he did get 96 yards out of it, <laughs> uh, which you like to see. And yeah. But the targets just went completely haywire. Um, is this something to be concerned about going forward? Because these are two guys – that we both really liked, especially Sanders, with moving him into the slot where Keenum had shown in the past that he can be effective. Is this matchup in a game where they might be playing from behind okay for you, or is Baltimore, Baltimore's defense has been very good to start the season as well? I just don't know where we land, and then uh, we can talk on the Baltimore side about if there's anything we like. Yeah, for me, it's just too hard to credibly forecast targets here. I think when everything is working for Emmanuel Sanders and they don't get him the ball, like I, I just feel confused. Uh, now converted 14 of his 15 targets on the season at an incredible, so 14 catches, and that's 241 yards. So the guy's just been all world when the ball has been thrown his direction. It's one of the best possessions you can have in the NFL this season is throwing a pass to Emmanuel Sanders, and they can only find him four targets. That's pretty concerning. Uh, You know, that sounds to me, I don't know if it's a planned thing or if it's reads or what the issue is, but yeah, then you turn it over and you have Demarius Thomas uh, continuing with those steady 10.5 targets. But for him, it's the opposite problem. He used to be that big downfield guy who would be great on a yards per attempt basis, and now that's kind of fallen off a cliff. So I don't think that I'm going to want either of these guys for cash. I think Sanders uh, probably the bigger upside play for me in the receiving game. Um, and then the running game, you know, it's it's one of the true running back by committee messes that yeah. we have out there. Uh, Lindsay seems to be the dominant back, but Freeman's getting the goal line carries, so I just don't. I don't know where you're going to go in that running game either. Uh, I like Sanders' matchup here. According to Pro Football Focus, he draws a much better cornerback matchup than Thomas, who's going to be shadowed, likely shadowed by Carr. Uh, they will if they run Sanders out of the slot. It looks like he has a very good matchup. So yeah, I think you could. It's reasonable to expect that you see a bump up in targets for him. Maybe maybe back to not Week One levels, but if you get to eight or nine, I don't think that's totally. Uh, out of the realm of possibility and then we have Baltimore who uh, I was very I liked Alex Collins a lot going through the season and last week I mean first week it was you don't we don't really learn anything because they totally crushed Buffalo last week he just straight up split snaps with Alex uh, with excuse me with Javorius Allen with Kenneth uh, Dixon hurt Uh, Collins carried the ball nine times had four targets Allen carried the ball six times had seven targets 
is this one where uh, we're just there's is too much of a committee to really trust anything uh, i just don't I, I really liked the idea of collins being more of a workhorse back this year and that just is clearly just doesn't seem like it's going to be the case yeah well i'm the team just seems pretty bad at running the ball as well <laughs> so right. uh going up against a tough denver defense like what like if you're sitting there like just look at baltimore's rushing attempts versus buffalo week one and i think that tells you most of what you need to know about what this team's upside are you had collins seven for 13 you had allen four for 17 like these guys are just bad at running the ball so i don't i don't think that's where you're going to wind up landing uh and then on the passing side one encouraging thing i saw you know maybe i'm going to just be barking up this stupid tree all season long but i did like to see the 10 targets out of crabtree last week he was the guy i wrote up going into the season as my favorite play in baltimore as the guy who's going to you know, potentially see that more high target upside rather than like the big downfield upside. Um, but I did like to see that 10 targets out of week two. So um, yeah, looking for potential growth on that front as well. Yeah, you're not going to, Flacco's not going to throw 55 passes most weeks. Uh, this is what he did last week. So that's why I'm the only reason I'm not sure. crazy on the targets is that the, the passing attempts were so high. John Brown also saw 10 targets, did catch a touchdown, a 45-yard touchdown. Uh, so, and then it kind of drops off. I and mean, Willie Sneed saw eight targets as well. But again, they, they just threw so many times, uh, I did, which is hard to imagine that's going to be the case. And Denver's defense is just not as good as it used to be. I and mean, we're kind of, you know, thinking about Denver's defense as being like, oh, you know, this defense that can just totally shut down the pass those got a lot of those guys aren't there anymore so uh they mm. rank 24th overall right now again only two games but 24th overall against the pass to start the season and one of those games was against the raiders so that number probably looks even should probably end up because i don't think that's put up for uh it's not it's not regressed for like who they played so the fact that one of those teams is the raiders they likely are uh maybe just even worse okay uh let's keep moving through the games uh the next game we have on the list is the colts go in and play the eagles we talked at length about Wentz yesterday we talked about Corey clement with uh, possibly taking over majority of the running back carries we also talked about aguilar and Ertz. so we really talked about the entire eagles team i think i think we covered that in yesterday's podcast i don't really want to dive give the, give the clips because some people won't have listened to that they, they, okay the so the clip notes we are, liked we, aguilar and Ertz, um and we thought clement was a Potentially a solid option if a Jai is out. Is that yeah, the, they're all cash game plays to me. They're GPP okay. plays as well. I think the Wentz thing is a huge upgrade over Foles. I don't think anyone would disagree. Right. I and, and I mostly said on the podcast that I'm less concerned with guys coming back from ACL injuries at this point because that it's not a non-injury, but man, these guys come back so fast that just getting back into the flow of things is just not the way it used to be. So, and again, Vegas doesn't think so either. They have a 27 implied total going into the day. Uh, whereas the Colts or Marlon Mack came back for a week. It looks like he's going to be hurt again. I guess it looks like he's going to sit. Jordan Wilkins probably takes over. Also, T.Y. Hilton and Doyle are both questionable right now. They haven't practiced all week. This team just seems like one big question mark. If everyone was healthy on the Colts, uh, and by everyone, I mean like everyone that would be used in the passing game, is this a team that you could talk yourself into? Maybe like a tournament stack? if they're able to somehow keep it close with Philly, because I, I sometimes like when I'm, when we like so many guys on one team, a la the saints week one, if you like so many guys on one team, there is, there are scenarios where their team can just keep in the game. And that's highly correlated with winning GPPs. Could you see this being one of those games? Oh, I mean, it's just so hard to get excited about the Colts with the uncertainty around Lux current abilities. Um, you know, you like to see the completion percentage last week, but the yards per attempt are just in the dump. And, He's thrown for two touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, but and the price is like not really that cheap. It's funny, like he hasn't been very good, but the price has still come up. <laughs> so I don't, I don't personally think I'm going to be dreaming on many Colts-related stacks. 
I think, you know, taking the Eagles and then maybe a one-off coming back the other way is a direction someone could go. But I don't know, not, not a whole lot is exciting me on the Colts side here. Yeah, I think I agree, and I'm going to wait for some injury news to kind of find out where things fall, mostly just for that passing game. Maybe, you know, Doyle sits, maybe we see more Eric Ebron. That'd be an interesting situation I think I could talk myself into just because of how they've used Ebron already this season. And I think we're just going to have to wait and see on the rest, and we'll know probably more by the end of today. Bengals go in and play the Panthers. Bengals are going to be without Joe Mixon for at least this week, possibly two to four weeks. Uh, I think there's an open timetable on when his return is going to be. He was starting to look like one of these workhorse running backs that you want to kind of hang your hat on, and then he gets hurt. We talked about Gio Bernard possibly taking over that role. They're still on the road, and they're underdogs against the Carolina defense. That's pretty good, and the Carolina team that plays pretty damn slow in terms of pace of play and how many yeah. how many plays they allow their opponents to run. Um, just because the defense is okay, they like to run the ball. Uh, they just they run the clock down a decent amount. Uh, we talked, but again, we talked about Bernard. Uh, on the Panther side, I wrote up Christian McCaffrey as a possible breakout candidate just because of how the team has used him so far this year. And he just like hasn't gotten into the end zone, uh, or at least from the rushing attack. Can you see? I, I still kind of like a Cam McCaffrey stack, in, in especially on DraftKings for PPR. Is that something you can talk yourself into? Well, I love Cam McCaffrey on DraftKings. I think that's. I don't want to call it a no-brainer, but now we're on back-to-back seasons where McCaffrey is the target leader at running back. Uh, Last year, 113 targets led all running backs. So averaging, uh, well, not it's not double-digit targets again, but getting more than 100 was the the line I like. I think I actually miswrote that in the article. Uh, But yeah, 15 targets last week, part of this new wave of running backs who are actually wide receivers, given Cam's lack of confidence throwing downfield and the success that he has with McCaffrey, like... This is just what the Panthers' running game looks like. And since daily fantasy scoring is dumb, you get extra points if you catch the ball rather than run. So even though McCaffrey, he's been pretty effective, actually, when receiving the ball. But getting that extra half a point on FanDuel, full point on DraftKings, just makes him such a high-floor option. Now, he's expensive. So, you know, again, for cash games, is he one of the two guys you're going to play? If Gurley is one of them, maybe not. But, yeah, Cam McCaffrey, I won't even call it a sneak. He just seems just like a straight-up good big tournament stack because you can easily get like if you get 14 catches out of McCaffrey and then you get like two running touchdowns out of Cam and one passing touchdown to McCaffrey you're feeling pretty darn good going into you know the four o'clock games there McCaffrey's top 10 in targets this year all players not you know he's number one in running backs he's he's top 10 uh, among all guys and also carrying the ball one thing you really like to see out of him 4.8 yards per attempt on the on the ground right this is he that was a big issue for him last year which he just couldn't really get anything going uh in terms of yards even when they gave him the ball that hasn't been the case as much I don't know if they're just running new plays for him or he's just getting more confidence uh, he's the athletic stuff was always there but the mm-hmm. fact that he's averaging this many yards on the ground just makes there's no reason to not give him the ball more if the game is being if the game's playing out the way you want it to so I think yeah stacking cam is actually pretty close for me for just to be a cash game quarterback on DraftKings he's coming really cheap the guy runs a ton he's never going to be efficient but at 6,000 for a guy who runs this much uh, I think I could talk myself into it especially because his red zone usage on the ground is better than basically any other <laughs> it's basically better than any other quarterback in, in yeah. football at this right point. you just so, need to think about him as like you know three quarters of a running back and three quarters of a quarterback but then you're getting a player and a half when things go well right like right and so and th- that was the case last year he ran the ball so yeah. many more times than any other quarterback uh, he's already the league leader he has but league leader by far now that Tyra Taylor's dead um, he has eight, 18 attempts on the season he's carrying the ball five and a half yards per carry and already has a touchdown as long the offense as a whole is not very good 
and I just like yeah, I just like him as I think he still has a high floor, even though the passing completion percentage, although seventy percent this year, it's not terrible, better than he's been in the past. So we'll it's see. Two games. Um, yeah, uh, San okay. another game that's going to draw a lot of fantasy consideration. San Francisco goes in and plays the Chiefs. This game is a fifty-five total, sure. or so fifty-five over under, with uh, the Chiefs now up to minus six and a half. It started at minus five and a half. They're min- up to minus six and a half uh, for this game. Mahomes is the most expensive quarterback on either site. He's outscored every other quarterback basically by a lot i mean ryan fitzpatrick is there too but uh i think we could agree going forward uh, at least for me i'd be more bullish on Mahomes. i don't think that's that you know it doesn't take an doesn't sound controversial like either. Uh, no. <laughs> um is he just too expensive to play in any format or is this still a guy with just the amount of crazy upside or is the price has he totally outkicked the coverage on the price at this point because he's been throwing touchdowns and just throwing touchdowns at a rate that simply can't continue yeah, I mean, unless you think he's going to be the most prolific touchdown passer of all time as a rookie, then it stands to reason that it's going to come back down. And while the offense has been extremely explosive, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt is still there. He is still one of those guys that can stack a lot of usage in the right game script. Uh, I think, you know, it's just so hard for me to believe. I don't know. I think I've even used this poker analogy on the podcast before, but like, you know, a wise man once told me that if something someone is doing something totally different than you've ever seen before, it's very likely that they're just bad, but there's a chance they're amazing. <laughs> and right. I think when it comes to Mahomes, my instinct the first week, you know, especially after all the breathless coverage about how far he was throwing down the field and stuff like that, was like, oh, well, this is probably just bad. And that's why most people don't just throw the ball that far downfield, right? Like, right. it's very tough to stay efficient. Um, there's a number of reasons why that can cause problems for someone. Uh, in the case of Mahomes, I am moved into the to question the questioning frame of mind where I'm like, you know, maybe he is just good, and I'm I'm prepared for him to just be good, and I'm still operating as though you know. And again, because in DFS I can be selfish like this, like I don't have to worry about it for season long where you know it might be a little bit closer. In DFS, I just don't have to play. I can only play one guy, and he's just not the guy I'm going to play for big tournaments or for cash games. I think the ownership for him will be high enough that fading it makes more sense mathematically for big tournaments and for cash. I think it'd be a little bit crazy to assume, again, that this guy has totally rewritten the quarterback position and <laughs> he's going right. to you know, average five touchdowns a game. I just don't see it. So, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to continue to look stupid as we accumulate this sample size. Certainly, it seems like everybody's eyeball test disagrees with mine. But, uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, you mentioned Kareem Hunt. I think there are, going to, there are going to be scenarios where Kareem Hunt just has big games. Um, we, he, he had it in him last year. He was all You've over the place before, sometimes. Right? Yeah. yeah, he had some monster, monster games. Like, you know, over 150 yards a couple of times. Uh, and he just had 17-yard rushing games as well. Uh, I think the way they're still they're not using him any different, and he just hasn't really found the end zone yet. And so, uh, or not commiserate with how much, they, how much they've used him and how much the Chiefs have just put up on the board. Uh, long touchdowns will do that. Uh, for a guy they just especially for the running back because he's just not going to get those down and close looks uh, they've also thrown a lot in the red zone as well as more teams move to that attack so i think that hunt he's not far from a cash game play doesn't play enough in the passing game for me to have a high enough floor and i wouldn't be shocked if we saw a big game out of him maybe this one or in the next couple weeks just because of the way they're using him uh all these other guys are very expensive hill and kelsey just on the back of the team having put up so many points uh, i think that they probably fall into the Mahomes category of uh, we're not getting away with anything at their price. Yep. And they still have upside. This uh, this offense can put up points. What of about course, the San Francisco yeah. side? We we talked about Garoppolo. They have a 24 implied total right now, which is pretty high for a team that looks like they'd be playing catch-up. And I say that because if you want to try to find ways to get 
to maybe pile up points for a quarterback, you'd like them to be playing from behind. Garoppolo has shown the ability to be efficient. He's thrown to a lot of different guys, and we mentioned Kittle yesterday. Is there anything else uh, that you like uh, from the San Francisco side, like Garcon, Dante Pettis, any of these guys? Or are they interesting to you if you saw the game working toward maybe maybe him attempting like 45 passing attempts, maybe more if the game right. really starts getting out of hand? Well, no, I mean, you talked about the two-game stack, and I think this is actually the very intriguing two-game stack because you're not going to get a lot of GPP separation just by playing like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill or, or like whatever your plan is. But if you wanted to go like Jimmy G plus a couple receivers and then pick like a chief to be on the other way, I think you actually do get some really interesting upside. I mean, one note, and this should be unsurprising just given that Kansas City's possessions have been so short, but they've given up more than 100 passing yards more than the second highest team this season and almost There's 200 more horrible. Yeah. than the third highest team. And so, and this is, you know, you could be like, ah, sample size. Like if you're one of those sample size nerd guys, like that's probably what you sound like. You're, you're probably like, oh damn, touche. Cause you probably just did it right <laughs> after I said it. But, <laughs> but last year, Kansas City also fourth worst uh, against the past two. And I think they made it, I, I just don't have this up, but it was like second or third worst on yards per attempt basis. So you're looking at a really, really bad passing defense. And, if they're, if they're also going to be taking this explosive, fast possession approach, you can see the ball in the hands of these San Francisco guys a lot. So, um, yeah, my main take here, and I don't even think it's that hot a take, is that San Francisco might be the team you ultimately want to stack here and, you know, just try to catch a guy on the on the backside, maybe Kareem Hunt or, you know, some one of the lesser-known guys. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty into San Francisco right now. Yep, uh, I, I agree, and I, like I said, Garoppolo does strike me as a cash game play. I think the floor on him uh, is very high. The Kansas City defense does not look like it's going to get Eric Berry back again this week. That really does uh, hamper their ability to defend the pass, as he's one of the best safeties in the league. So um, it doesn't look like he's going to play, although there had been some optimism early on. So yep, I really like the stack in this game in general, and I think some people will be a little off the stacks only because uh, the prices just come up so much on these guys mm-hmm. that you really are uh, you really run into some salary problems if you try to play too many guys, especially on the Kansas City side. Green Bay goes in and plays the Redskins. This game started as um, this game started with uh, excuse me Green Bay having 25 implied points. It's come down a little bit. It seems like Aaron Rodgers just is possibly just going to play hurt maybe for the rest of the year after that big hit that he Thanks. took in Week One where it didn't even look like he was going to come back. Uh, he did not practice this week. I guess he's right now is questionable with a knee in the MCL. I don't know that the, the line didn't come down a ton on this news, it's, but it came down a little bit for Rogers. How worried are we about Rogers' health going forward? Is he, because he was a guy we basically played almost every week last week or like, <laughs> or, or were close to playing. Like he was just like that when he, when he, when he played, right. I know he got hurt, but, and, and Hundley came in at the end of the year, but games where he played, he's just, he's just so awesome in terms of just accuracy and the ability to run and all this stuff that he brings to the table from a fantasy perspective and I'm just worried that at this point, any knee concerns for a guy that's priced right around the same as Patrick Mahomes is just too much to pay just because of the injury. Yeah, and I think people are actually sleeping on Rodgers a little bit. Um, he's just been really good this year, especially given the uh, strength of schedule. And so I think if you were confident about his health, he'd be a very interesting big tournament target. Obviously, with the injury concerns, you're not going to touch the guy for cash. And I think even for tournaments, like it's enough, again, given that you're Unless you just want to make up with make a lineup with every single guy, the upside is there for him, but the downside is significant enough that I, I think you can just take a wait and see approach. And unfortunately, that's going to create the same sort of feeling in me for all the guys on Green Bay that they're all so dependent on Rodgers that I'm just not going to bother. 
Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams still seems like he's going to lead the, the team in targets. Has 20 on the year already. Has two touchdowns. I think we can safely assume he's the plan for Rodgers. And you want it to be, if you're Aaron Rodgers' WR1, we've seen obviously huge seasons out of guys like this. I do like the matchup for him. And again, I just I never know how much to factor in what the injury means. And I'm mostly actually just worried about like the rushing attempts. He barely ran he barely ran the ball at all last week for a guy mm-hmm. that did, you know, did get out and scramble a fair amount last year. And that could just be the way the game went and it could just be a sign that he doesn't want to. And these are the, these for me are sometimes the hardest things just to evaluate on a game by game player to player basis in terms of projections. The Redskins line came down a little bit. They started at 22 and a half now down to 21 uh, and a quarter uh, for a home team. We saw Adrian Peterson kind of fall off the map after a big week one. Uh, they really look like they're only going to throw to Chris Thompson at this point. Chris Thompson just has an <laughs> unbelievable amount of targets. Uh, doesn't run the ball a ton. Uh, we know that Alex Smith likes to throw to the running back and likes to do these short passes. Is there anything to talk yourself into on the Washington side? Well, Thompson is going to be a popular big tournament play, I would imagine. Uh, he doubled up his set already nice seven targets from week one. Went out there for 14 targets in week two in that game against Indianapolis. Um, you know, he's been effective in his nine carries on the ground as well this season, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem to be uh, the favored son. They'd rather just give the ball to Adrian Peterson instead. I don't think you're going to run a third down back out there as your uh, cash game play. Because, well, one thing that we know for sure with these like pass-catching guys, I mean, we've seen it with Sproles, we've seen it with guys like Theo Riddick, McCaffrey when he was in this role. The end of the season number is going to look better than every individual game, if that makes sense, right? Like there are some games where Peterson is just going to be kind of clicking and Thompson just will only get those five targets. And then in that case, you're just miserable on this price point, right? right? Uh, He's priced aggressively enough that you never want to touch him for cash. I wouldn't think. Uh, Yeah. And for tournaments, sure. Why not? Um, You know, Jordan Reed was a guy I was excited about going into last week. And I still am pretty excited about him. His his total fantasy points looks pretty bad uh, because he had a fumble lost. And but still eight targets, six catches, only turned into fifty five yards. That seems like a guy still priced very reasonably for you know what could at the end of the season look like Zach Ertz level target share. So yeah, I, I'm still into Reed too. We just know that Smith doesn't want to throw the ball downfield. You know, exactly. That's the case. So somebody's wanted, the ball. <laughs> yep, you want to target guys like Reed Thompson. Uh, no. I thought Crowder would kind of fit this role a little bit, but doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, these, but you know, we look at Kelsey's numbers from last year with Alex Smith. If he was just one of the top target guys. Because, again, Smith just can't throw the ball downfield at all. All right, Raiders go in and play Miami. Uh, Miami is minus three favorites. This line kind of seems Undefeated, Danny. It seems I, – I, I actually bet on this uh, because I'm like – the Raiders are horrible. I, like, I just – and they're going to fly across the country to, to play in Miami. Miami's undefeated so far. I mean, again, it's the monsoon yeah. game. Maybe we can throw that one away uh, as just not being a game where we really learned anything. But uh, this, this line struck me as too low. I don't know what – people want to talk themselves into on the Raiders. I mean, the only thing, I guess the thing, the bright thing you can look at is they finally got Mari Cooper going last week. Uh, he had been a guy, obviously, that has, in the past, had just massive conversion issues in terms of just catching the ball. <laughs> like, he just can't, doesn't right. seem like he could catch the ball. Last week, actually went 10 for 10 for 116 yards. Do you? They did move him into the slot more, like I mentioned, as some of the other smart teams are doing this. They're just taking their best receiver, running him in the slot more because you get typically the, 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 the worst of the three cornerbacks that the team is going to put out there, which usually creates a mismatch because uh, the guys, they just don't, usually most teams don't want to bring their best cornerbacks into, into the slot. Well, the best um, cornerbacks are also just not used to covering slot receivers. Well, either, this, right? why, this so. is why I said, I mean, they don't want to do it. That's kind yeah. of what I was implying. So what do we think about Cooper uh, in terms of, like, do, do you think this target share continues to stick around? They're still giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch enough. I just like, I'm so, I'm so, I just hate the Raiders so much. I just want them, 
I just think they stink. I, I don't know another way to put yeah, it. Yeah, don't count and on it, I guess, is my major takeaway. Don't count it on either side for Cooper. I mean, he carries risk in target share, like we saw week one, three targets. Again, obviously a crazy game, but uh, still only saw the three targets. And the conversion, I mean, he's been in that T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans, like maybe I'm going to get 45% of my balls and turn them into catches for you. And it's not to say it's impossible. Like he can have good weeks without a doubt, but... Yeah, that's to me sounds like the old DFS cop out of tournament play to me. Yep, uh, Miami side. They, you know, I was hoping that Kenyon Drake would turn into sort of like I was saying with Alex Collins that he would just get the majority of the carries on a week to week basis. Last week didn't split snaps with Frank Gore, but thirty six to twenty four uh, in a game where you know they did end up they ran the ball more than fifty times. Kenyon Drake only ran the ball eleven times, saw four targets. Gore ran nine times and saw a target. Is the presence of Gore just too much? to really count on Drake. I, I'm not even sure he's a tournament play at this point. If this is going to be the, if this is going to be sort of how they use these guys and just split them up all seasons along. We saw they were willing to do this last year when Damian Williams was around before Drake emerged and then maybe kind of, you know, took a backseat once they got another running back in the mix. Does Frank Gore being around uh, just kind of put both of them off the table really for any kind of contest? I think so. I think, you know, I was actually counseling a friend of mine against putting Kenyon Drake on his season long fantasy team because you know, he had those two big games when he first came in, and that was basically as, this was last year, as Miami was just trying to figure out who else they were going to put alongside him. It seems to me, and we've seen this with Miami in the past as well, both with Drake and with others, they would just rather not have a guy that just gets all the carries, right? And right. now, two weeks of that being the case for Drake in pretty reasonable game scripts. Again, you can dream on upside or whatever you want to do here, but Frank Gore's presence, also Frank Gore being more of a bruising back, Leads me to believe, whether we've seen it so far or not, that uh, goal line carries could go his way too. And I don't know, man. I, I just don't need a little leech sucking off all my targets and my carries. Like, get out of here if, <laughs> if you want me to play. So I'm not, not going to play Drake. Um, okay, moving into the Giants and the Texans. While we were talking here, I just got a text from a buddy of mine that got invited to the Giants. Did it say happy week. birthday? It did not say happy birthday, but it invited me to the Giants game next week. Because um, <laughs> it's Doug's so... birthday. <laughs> so, um, question. Right. Is it is our is the nature of our work too crazy now at this point to consider even going to they don't play till four o'clock is it too crazy to consider going to a football game at this point i never th- i thought i'd never do it because we work so much on sundays especially like in the mornings leading up to lock uh with a four o'clock game do you think it's doable to think about going to a football game for the first time i haven't gone in years wait which four o'clock game are you trying to get to the Gi- i'm not trying to get to it i got invited to the giants game for next week not, not, oh, not next this week. week okay yeah, good i was week, like giants- Gi- you're going to houston to watch the giants okay. no 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 yeah, the giants i don't think play gonna be- someone at home next week uh maybe the saints uh, at nah, four dude, o'clock you can go to a four o'clock game Absolutely. This guy's, kind of, this guy's kind of connected too, so the seats might be great. Uh, so, um, so we'll see. I'll, I'll let everyone know later next week if I'm going. Dude, to if you can game. live blog it for us, that would be insane. <laughs> Maybe you could do like the where you hold the camera and do like a selfie, and you kind of walk around and talk into the camera. I feel like we're kind of due for a Doug video of you doing that. Well, that would be the only highlight because the Giants are horrible. They go into uh, they go and play the Texans this week. They're six and a half. Excuse me, six point road underdogs. Uh, to a Texans team that has looked kind of up and down on offense this season, uh, with even with Deshaun Watson coming back. We saw sure. an unbelievable amount of targets out of Saquon Barkley. It sure looks like their plan is to run him into the ground for a terrible non-playoff <laughs> team. So congrats on not learning one thing from any kind of analytics of what, what you should do for a team. They stuck with the old quarterback when there was lots of good young quarterbacks in the draft. They said, nope, we're going to go the other way. We're going to take a running back, which everyone basically universally agrees is the worst thing you can do early on in a draft, and they just did it. Um, do we want is but but the way they've used them sure seems like Barkley has 
big tournament upside, even in bad matchups. And by the way, almost all the Giants matchups this season are going to be bad with them being underdogs. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Uh, can you talk yourself in there? Or, I mean, are there are we going to see like an, a Beckham breakout week? I mean, Beckham's obviously generational kind of talent guy. We haven't seen much of him. Does, you know, where do you stand on the giants from a GVP perspective? Cause they have guys that can put up big weeks. Definitely. I mean, so I'll start with Barkley. Cause I think he will be a highly owned player this week just cause the preseason hype was so high on him. And you'd love to see him touching the ball 25 overall times against Dallas. Like that's, that's an excellent sign. Uh, you obviously love for DraftKings to see him be such a prominent uh, featured back in the passing game just from the PPR perspective. I think the salary is high enough that obviously you're not going to play him in cash. Is that obvious? Or like, it's obvious. You can't play this guy for 8,000. Right? Okay. You, sure. you can't play a road underdog running back in no. cash, even if they're getting used like David Johnson kind of style in the passing game. I just don't – you're just not, not going to run the ball enough. Uh, and the defense yeah, is exactly. And so, and, and again, like, you know, I, I wrote this up this week, but – you also just don't tend to see too many running backs. You never see running backs average double-digit targets per game. It just doesn't happen. Nobody averages double-digit targets per game. Last year, and there were five total players who did, and they were all wide receivers. McCaffrey led all uh, running backs with 113 targets. So no, I, I would guess that we're not just going to see these guys randomly come out and be like Barkley have 200 targets at the end of the season. That seems pretty unlikely to me. And that also leads me to believe that things can go wrong in a hurry for you if your team isn't that comfortable just giving you the ball over and over and over again. Barkley, outside of that one big run week one, has been very ineffective on the ground as well. And that leaves me feeling a little cold. Again, on the price point, I just feel like I can do better at 8000 So, yeah, I'm going to leave the Giants fans probably to playing Barkley and the people who just like to root for young players, which I do too. But at 8000 man... I don't know. I feel like we kind of saw his upside last week, and I feel like I can just get more exciting guys at that same price point. Yep, I think he's, I think he's a GBP pivot off of some of the other expensive running backs just because if they're going to use him in the playing catch-up in a game, then I think you there is – it's tough to say the Giants are ever going to be in a shootout because the offense looks so bad. But he and If they Beckham, were, he would be the cause probably, right? Yeah, right, he and Beckham. So. He and Beckham control so much of this offense. Like Barkley was the highest overall percentage of team usage guy, according to the calculation I did. Uh, higher higher than any other player in football, which is just kind of unbelievable. He's like 33% of the overall team touches he saw in the mm. first two weeks. And Beckham is a top 10 guy in target. So I, th- I do think that there's a, a scenario where if the Giants can just get anything going, these two guys could actually, it's not out of the realm possibility of stacking them together, being, having some upside, and it's just going to take a lot to have that go right because it's still Eli Manning throwing and the team's just overall pretty bad. We talked about Deshaun Watson yesterday. Um, Hopkins had a, was looking not all that great and then kind of got bailed out on the, from the yards perspective on a final play of the game that got him 31 yards, which was like the stupidest play of the season because Watson just threw it down the middle when they didn't have a timeout and the clock ran out and they just it, so they got 31 yards. He should Watson should never have thrown the ball. Um, but uh, we still see uh, a Watson to Hopkins pairing just having upside. Will Fuller getting we talked with Watson getting Will Fuller back definitely stretches the field for them as well. Uh, where do you stand on Lamar Miller? Seems like another year where they want to give him the ball and he just doesn't kind of do anything. It seems like a matchup where they could exploit as home favorites, and I just don't know where he falls in the kind of that running back hierarchy. Yeah, I would take issue with the kind of doesn't sort of do anything. Lamar Miller right now leading all running backs who are averaging more than 15 carries per game in yards per carry. So hmm. he hasn't punched anything into the end zone, um, but averaging just under five yards a carry, like he hasn't been bad. Uh, I think, you know, if you can get a touchdown or two out of him or like a long run, I think he actually is a, a guy that we super, super low owned in a game that the game script should absolutely favor him. And 
you know, you don't really, I guess, love Alfred Blue taking those six carries a game. Like, that definitely matters on some level. But this could be Lamar Miller's big week where people are like, oh, yeah, look at these yards per carry. And now he has three, two touchdowns or whatever. So, yeah, I, I like Miller for big tournaments. Let me ask you a question. So he's averaging 17 uh, rushing attempts a game right now, 14 last right. week, and then I guess whatever it was. I'm just looking, I'm looking at one week and whatever that ends up being. Um, do we? <laughs> I, we have him at. I can't well do the math because I'm thinking about something else. So we have we have him right around 15 yeah. carries and three targets. Uh, does that yeah. seem fair to you? His coming in, the Giants' pace of play is really what's kind of driving his overall projection down. I think they just they don't allow a lot of other opponent team possessions because of how they run their offense. Uh, does that projection seem fair to you? Um, how clo- I mean, home favorite, though, is this is where we want to see running backs. Yeah. How close to a cash game guy does he, does he get knowing that he's been more effective than I thought? I kind of just assumed because I just made this Lamar assumption Miller, about yeah. Yeah, Lamar Miller. I mean, right now we have him ranked under some of these other guys like Adrian Peterson, Kenyon Drake. I, does that seem... I like him a lot better than Adrian Peterson and Kenyon Drake, definitely. I, I think something like 17 carries is probably a better number from where I'm sitting, I think this is actually, I don't know, the more I think about it, maybe it is a cash game play. Um, You know, the game script and the matchups really haven't been that strong for him, right? Like he went up against New England and then at Tennessee and Tennessee, like I mentioned last season, was very tough against the run. Uh, And, you know, they're just happy to stack the box too and try to make you beat them with a passing attack. I think the Giants rate to be behind in this game. You know, with Watson there and Hopkins, like, Mar- Lamar Miller can absolutely just be the forgotten man, but I think 17 carries is the average so far and in game scripts that rated to be worse than this one. Sure. Giants have been beat up on the ground so far this year, ranked 30th in DVOA through, if, against the rush through the first two seasons. So maybe. Is that adjusted for a matchup? They did go up against like Zeke. I, I don't recall who they played week one off here. Uh, Fournette. Uh, they played the Jacksonville game. Uh, no, it's yeah. not adjusted for matchup. So um, I, I, th- I throw these these early season stats out with a little bit of a grain of salt. They did go against two teams that at least in that, that iteration of Jacksonville wanted to run the ball a lot. And obviously, right. we know what Dallas wants to do. So uh, I, again, I, I sometimes hesitate to quote those because. Right, if you just faced Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott, you're almost definitely going to be rated worse on the ground than teams that have faced, I don't know, some of these other teams. Like I'm trying to think of one that's bad. Uh, some team that, like Oakland or something like that that, that doesn't right. have much of a running attack or Tennessee. Or, I'm, I'm picking bad teams. Uh, Detroit actually would be a good example of a team. Like You're going to look pretty good if you play against the rush if you played Detroit in either of your first two weeks. So, yes, I don't I don't love to quote these numbers, although I just did it. Um, but it's my podcast, so I'll do what I want. All right, let's move in. Uh, <laughs> Our podcast, go ahead. <laughs> my podcast. We'll move into the 4 o'clock game. Chargers go in and play the Rams. We talked at length about Gurley and how basically the, the cliff notes here are Gurley for us is a cash game block. It's really all, not all that close compared He's to He's the only one, number one running back in the NFL. Best yeah, time. yeah, it sure seems like that. Now, San Diego has a guy on their team, Elvin Gordon, who's seen a lot of touches this season. Uh, they've gotten sort of sort of siphoned off by Austin Eckler, who's just broken off huge chunks of yards at times. Um, it doesn't seem sustainable. And yet when a guy is in there breaking off huge chunks of yards, sometimes the team is more incentivized to just find ways to get that guy on the field one how much does that worry you and two as a team that's going to be playing from behind against a good defense are there things you can talk yourselves into is yourself into on the san diego side they have a good offense when things are clicking and the rams just strike me as a very bad matchup uh just because the defense is very good yeah well i think it's actually kind of a relief to me to not have to worry about playing the chargers this week because i'm still really waiting to see what the plan is with melvin gordon in particular but even keenan allen as well uh gordon's kind of funny because last week he just winds up he, he winds up being a fairly popular play on the back of the 13 targets week one. Those come back down to earth, and he's actually one of the guys I talked about in the article as well, where when teams are behind, they're thrown to their running backs. When they go up, those targets tend to go away. Uh, but we could see that return to double-digit targets if you think the Chargers are going to be trailing here. Uh, we know they're going to use him in the red zone. He was bailed out on a poor yardage performance with three touchdowns last week. So, yeah, Gordon, I think, 
in that discussion, like in the, if you're back in the game stack category, if you want to take Gurley going one way, maybe you just take Gordon going the other way, and you just figure like both of these guys are capable of monster weeks. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I think even Keenan Allen, if the game stays close or if they're like slightly behind, you know, it's been fairly quiet, but still 19 targets over two games. If he keeps up that pace, that pretty consistent pace, he will be among the target leaders once again, you know, as some other guys have big weeks here, but then bad weeks there. So yeah, I think there's still playability on the Chargers side, but probably not for cash. Where you really like Gordon is that the the Rams secondary is really good um, between Talib and Peters there and uh, Roby sure. Coleman. That is a possibly just the best secondary in the whole league. And if you think that's the case and the passes have to go somewhere else, then Gordon seems a logical conclusion on that, right? So um, if you think that these guys, these guys are all basically shut down guys, and that's going to be real problems for Williams, uh, Allen, and, and Ty, well, both Williams and then Keenan Allen. Uh, that's the other reason I think you can talk yourself into the Gordon dink and dunk getting enough targets to get there and stacking with Gurley. And again, it seems sometimes weird to stack running backs with each other, but in the new world order of the NFL, where these guys are essentially good receivers and also run the ball every once in a while, then um, I think you can talk yourself into that kind of game stack. Uh, On the Rams side, it's so hard to know who's going to get the targets on a uh, week-to-week basis between Cooks, uh, Cup, and Robert Woods. They've really spread the stuff around. Um, It's so funny, too, because it's like, they have one guy that's obviously so much of a target hog in terms of Gurley, and then the wide receivers. Is, is stuff too spread out for the Rams at this point, or do you still see upside? Is it like the Minnesota situation where maybe you just pick one guy and you hope that's the guy for that week? Probably. I mean, I think Cook's actually... I was a little annoyed that he put up so many yards last week because if this game doesn't get away from the Rams or for the Cardinals... He did have nine targets basically through three quarters. So you could see, I mean, and I don't think many people would dispute that he's the most talented big play wide receiver on the team. So I think Cook's actually more upside than people realize, even though he had 159 yards receiving last week. Like he could easily have a 13 target week and we know what he can do once the ball's in his hands, right? So uh, yeah, I still like Cook's. I I don't think, I think the other guys, you're kind of going out on a limb. Um, You know, we've seen guys like Cooper Cup have big weeks in the past, but and Robert Woods as well, but they never really had a receiving talent like Cooks on the team. So I tend to think that when that all shakes out at the end of the season, like it's funny because, you know, he had a, uh, Goff had a lot of comfort with Cup and Woods based on last season. And then the new guy shows up and it's kind of like a, a Friday Night Lights episode where you're like, this new guy's kind of like really, really good. <laughs> so I think I'm going to be passing to him now. And everyone else gets grumpy and then there's drama and there's a murder. No, that was the second season of Friday Lights. Never mind. And then the, uh, and then the, the, network, the <laughs> network cancels it and DirecTV picks it up and we all get saved and we finally get to the end of the greatest show that's ever made. All right, I got you. Now, your point's completely well made. All right, let's, uh, awesome. let's, get, <laughs> let's get into the rest of the 4 o'clock games here. Uh, Chicago goes in and plays the Cardinals. Cardinals have been just by all by any account that you could ever come up with just freaking horrible. They, they just made And one of the world's worst. Well, if Buffalo didn't exist, they would be the, easily the worst team. It's only because Buffalo is so bad. Like They just happen to have David Johnson on their team. That's probably the only difference. Um, maybe Larry Fitzgerald, too. Uh, Chicago goes in as minus 5.5 road favorites here with 22 points implied. Uh, Cardinals only coming in at 16. Uh, let's start with the let's start with the Bears. We talked about Allen Robinson as a possible cash game play because of the kind of targets he's seeing, specifically for the price over the short term. I kind of really like Jordan Howard here. Jordan Howard was another guy that's seen a lot of his team's target and usage share and just hasn't found the end zone at all. Been decent on the yards per carry basis. Tara Cohen is always sort of waiting in the wings, and they just haven't also shown the want to like carry him a ton either um where do you think of jordan howard i mean how close to being a cash game play 
for knowing that he's is seeing a lot of carries in a game where they could just be winning against a very bad team yeah not very close i mean 7400 i've been down this jordan howard path in the past i don't know if you can tell that from my voice and expression uh he's been a guy that's had big usage in the past we actually really haven't seen it so far this year i mean that's not true he's got 37 touches he's got i mean comparatively to other running backs in terms of like what their team wants to do at 37 touches through two weeks is not crazy high and I don't know, 18 touches a game doesn't That's good. all that bad. Yeah, yeah. it's solid, but it's $7,400. Like, right. I can get the same thing from Lamar Miller in probably the same exact game script for 700 less. So I'm just going to do that, I think. Uh, you know, Howard, I have, well, does he have more upside? He probably does because I, I think he'll be featured more in the passing game and probably has a little bit more big play ability. But, man, looking down and seeing Jordan Howard's name at $7,400 price tag and like mm-hmm. seeing some of the concessions I'm going to have to make elsewhere, I'd really rather not. Arizona's been terrible in defense. And like I said, it's it's not often you see a team, especially the Bears, go in as road as road favorites. And it really just tells a story more about what's happening in Arizona more than anything <laughs> else because Arizona sure. is, just, is just that bad. I actually don't mind Trubisky. Uh, Trubisky runs yeah, a lot. I like, yeah. uh, I, I like stacking those two guys together. Um, I think there's – you know, if you – if if the team can just get out of its own way and just figure out ways to get David Johnson the ball more, I think that he would have some upside if they could get anything going and the team is just so bad. So I want to like, I don't know, there probably will be a week where David Johnson just does have a big week if they can just put it together because he is just so good. And it's just such a shame that he just has to play on this bad team. And it'll be one thing that will be interesting for him specifically will be to see how far the price ends up just dropping because right now he's down to 8,200. Uh, you know, obviously starts the season as the most expensive running back. He's now the fifth most expensive. I'm talking about on FanDuel. And you've, I feel like there's room to go down here on this price just because of how yeah. bad the team is. So if we, it'd be a sad day if we ever saw David Johnson like land in like the $7,500 range. And I think it's totally possible Ooh. just based on how bad, just based on, on how Sad. bad the team is. Um, all right, let's roll through the last game on the schedule here. We get uh, Dallas goes in and plays Seattle. I almost want to say skip, but I guess we can talk a little bit about it. Um, Dallas is kind of like Dak and Zeke, and no one else really does anything else. And Seattle's like Russell Wilson, and no one else really does anything else. Like, I don't and Russell really Wilson, what's... notably, not really running the ball this season, and that's going to just kill his value. Like, I know that the actual fantasy points per game at 19 haven't been so bad this year, but yeah, averaging 34 attempts a game, two and a half carries a game, can't see it. Right. And he's like now without Doug Baldwin, he was already running for his life at times last year because they couldn't get anything going in the running game. They don't seem like they have any clues to what they, this is Seattle. Don't seem like they have any clues to what they want to do on offense. Like there was a note that last week, Chris Carson was gassed like didn't get the carries last week because he was gassed because he was playing special teams like what the hell like this guy's a starting running back he's like running down for punt returns and kickoff returns like my bad dude i forgot you were the starting running back i mean it's just so mismanaged (laughs) it's like malpractice like coaching malpractice really it's it's so bad to have something like that happen to have to admit it in a press conference too it's just it's laughable. I mean, the, the most the, the most know nothing fan would know this is not a good idea. Like, Carson <laughs> does have skills. Like Carson actually is a guy that you could see being okay. And the fact that he just you had to give it to like Fat Rashad Penny uh, to carry the ball, it just makes no sense. Anyway, so tough to get excited about anything in this game. You really can't get excited about anything in the Dallas passing game. Same with Seattle. They just don't target anyone. There's there's the skill level uh, just simply isn't there. Uh, there are some. We're not going to spend too much time here on the eight o'clock games because they're not part of the main slate. I do think there's reason to play these games. I, I kind of wish the Pittsburgh Steelers were on the main slate again because I would have no problem going back to James okay. Conner and Antonio Brown uh, for cash games specifically against the Bucks. So I think there's reason to play these Sunday night to Monday night slates between Brady 
uh, how bad the, the Lions are, although they have Golden Tate, the Steelers, and the Bucks. That's a pretty exciting. That's a pretty exciting nighttime slate of games uh, with a lot of just different fantasy implications. Uh, but you can. Oh yeah, that, that'll be here. a great slate. Maybe we have to do a like a quick combo about that Sunday morning if we run out of time on a. Yeah, we can maybe post something and see what we can do because uh and just see because yeah because between the Brady and, and the you know Josh Gordon's gonna be there maybe he's gonna play with question marks there you know, what to do about uh, where the Bucks fall in terms of how hot they've been running like I could see this twenty six total for them I could see coming in on the under on that one um just kind of no problem I get the Steelers have let up a lot of yards and to me that what the Bucks are doing just seems completely and utterly unsustainable so um yeah. uh, I'm not that, that they came up from twenty three and a half to twenty six so maybe we'll get something out. Uh, Sunday morning. Um, okay, we're at over. We're at an hour and seven minutes. Megapod status. Megapod. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, cool. We made it over an hour. All right, dfsr.com slash NFL will get you started. Go over to the site and check out a free three-day trial. That, that'll that If you sign up today, that'll take you through the weekend, so you're covered for all the weekend's games, uh, and then I think you'll be with us for the long term. It's free for three days, and then just twenty nine ninety five a month after, and you're all good to go. Buddy, enjoy your Friday, your Saturday, your Sunday, um, and you. I will talk to you. Well, I'm going to talk to you all the time, but you can't wait, man. Everyone here will hear us talking again maybe sunday morning but at worst tuesday when we recap week three that was buddy enjoy your friday happy birthday douglas honey i switched the family to boost mobile and we got so much more like what well we got four free lg style of five phones four lines for just 25 dollars per line per month i smashed up the car and unlimited gigs wait did you say you smashed up the car Yes, it's completely smashed, but four free phones. Switch to Boost and get four lines for just $25 per line per month. Four free phones with unlimited gigs, all on our super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost Mobile, the switch that gives you more. Terms and conditions apply. New customers only. Visit BoostMobile.com for details. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson.